0: It is great to see you today. What is your favorite sport? Football, football, baseball, softball, basketball. How many of you have been watching the Olympics? There is sports I had no idea existed. Is that not the truth? Today we will be watching the Chinese Buffet Eating Championship. I qualified, but I had to bow out because I had to preach this morning for that table tennis that's ping pong in Louisiana correct but that's table tennis you know the word sport mean it can mean certainly an athletic event it can mean recreation it can mean a diversion or a pastime another something we enjoy doing just to pass the time and today I'm wondering if one of the favorite sports of many of us here is the pastime of judging other people We have a little video. Let's watch this video to kind of get things rolling this morning.
1: Most mornings, I like to wake up with a nice cold glass of judging others. Something about being slightly superior to other people really gets my day going. Some days, I look out my window and judge the people outside. Some days, I'll pick up a tabloid from the supermarket so I can judge celebrities. I bring a pocket atlas to work with me so that on my coffee break, I can judge the people of Uruguay and other countries with odd names. On Sundays, I judge the non-churchgoers as I drive to church. Then I get to church and judge the people in there, too. God must be really pleased with me, since He is the ultimate judge, and I am following in His footsteps. I can't wait to hear Him tell me how proud He is of me. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Luke chapter
0: 6. If you have the Bible, if you don't, it'll be on the screens. Let's begin with this. What does it mean to judge someone? This is a term that's tossed around. You've heard it obviously if you've been in church. Uh, it's a term that you hear, uh, you know, don't judge me, don't judge me. You hear that a lot. What does it mean to judge someone? Well, I'm going to start with, with two negatives or two showing us what, what judging is not. What, what does it mean to judge someone? We're going to see specifically in just a moment, but let's begin with this. Some things that judging people is not showing wisdom in regards to other people is not being judgmental. Now you have to be careful here, and there's a fine line in being judgmental and showing wisdom. But let me give you an example. If you have a child and you're uh, you're out at the mall in Monroe this afternoon, and a stranger pulls up in a van and says, "Can I take your child to Vicksburg? I'll have them back by six this evening." You're an idiot if you let them in the van. Amen. Spell idiot. I d. Well, I don't know how to spell, but you know what I'm yeah, how, how it's spelled. You are crazy. That, and it's not being judgmental to say no. When, when I was growing up, there was a, a boy I met, I guess about the fifth or sixth grade. And he, he would come over our house a lot. He would spend time in our house. And he was always welcome there. My parents loved him. He could spend the night. My parents would never let me spend the night with him. And I just thought my parents were mean. They were prudes. And, but when I got a little bit older, here's what I discovered. His parents were a little bit more liberal in their morals than my parents were. He had an older brother that was six or seven years older than us who, uh, I, unbeknownst to me, was had been in, in and out of court, uh, who was a drug abuser and was an abusive, bully person. And I don't think my parents were being judgmental by saying, he can stay here, but you probably don't need to go there. It's a fine line. You have to be careful. But making wise decisions about people is not being judgmental. In fact, uh, and we won't look at it on the screens, Brian, but we, a few weeks ago, we looked at it in Matthew, or excuse me, Luke 6 farther on down, where it talks about fruits, that you'll know people by your fruits. Sometimes you can look and say, hey, maybe this is not the best decision uh, in regards to someone. Be careful, but that's not judging people. Here's the second thing. A calling wrong behavior wrong is not being judgmental. Now, that, that's, the, that's our society today. If you say anything is wrong, you're being judgmental, correct? Correct. Now, you have to be real careful here. Don't get your opinions mixed up with the Bible. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and the Bible. So, to me, what the Bible says are objective standards. And not my opinions or your opinions, but but what the Bible says. So... Let's use a sex illustration. That always wakes everybody up. Let's talk about adultery and fornication. Adultery is a married person having sex with someone that's not their spouse. Now, listen to me. This is not being judgmental. This is coming from the book. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's wrong if I do it. It's wrong if you do it. Well, you're being judgmental. No, I'm just, I'm just plagiarizing. That's what the book says, okay? Fornication. Fornication is someone who's not married, whether they're 14 or whether they're 50, someone who's not married, who's involved sexually with, with someone that's not obviously their spouse. That's sin. That's wrong. You can say, but society's going to say you're being judgmental. Folks, that's calling something wrong that's wrong is not being judgmental. Now, again, you have to be careful. And and let's define what Jesus says judgmentalism is to make sure that we don't let it seep over into calling wrong wrong or making wise choices. Here's what judgmental, being judging others is making critical, harsh choices assessments of them. When I judge someone or you judge some someone, we're moving beyond being wise and careful. We're, we're moving beyond saying a behavior is wrong and we're attacking a person. You follow me here? Look in verse 37. This is Jesus talking, do not judge others. Words mean things. The word judge means to divide. It means to separate. Listen, it means to pass sentence our rank People, you're going to rank someone. They're good. They're not as good. They're not as good. You know, of course, you're you're up here. Uh, it's ranking people. Then Jesus says, "Do not condemn, or you will be condemned. It will come back." to You. The word "condemned" in your Bible is a sister word to "judge." It, it, it literally means to uh, to judge them or to declare them guilty. These words were often used to describe a Greek judge in Jesus's day, where a judge would sit in a courthouse and a defendant was brought to him, and the judge had the power, maybe not a death penalty call, but the judge had the power to declare the defendant innocent and set free or guilty and pronounce a judgment. Here's what God is saying. That's wrong in our humanity. If you're a, a judge and you're given that job legally, then you execute that to the best you can. God is saying this to you and me this morning. when Judging people is when we sit and Maybe figuratively, in the black robe with the gavel over them, assessing their life. It's being critical. It's an attitude. It's it's characterizing people. One preacher uh, I like says it's playing the label game with with other people, it's condescending. A lot of times, people who are snooty walk like this. Do you know anybody who's like this? Uh, They have to be careful when it's raining or get water in their nose. And. Most people who walk like that probably have a judgy problem and say, I'm judging them, aren't I? But but that's my guess on that. It's looking at somebody, and you're going to make an assessment about them because of their parents. Yeah, you're a brain surgeon. I'm a brain surgeon when we do that. They picked their parents, didn't they? Yeah. It's making an assessment because the way they dress. Because you're better because you have more expensive jeans on than they have on, or where they went to school, or their past, which you may not know that much about, but you know it wasn't good. So you're going you're gonna to be critical and harsh. That's what being judgmental is uh, towards other people. It, it's, a lot of it is an attitude of condescension and passing sentence and evaluation on people. It, it's kind of in a sick way. It's our favorite sport because, see, when we're stepping on other people and making them look worse, at least for the moment it makes us a foot taller because our foot's on their neck and it lifts us up. That's why we kind of like doing it. It makes us feel superior if I can look down on you. But we're going to see why Jesus said it was wrong. But let's, let's answer that. Why shouldn't we judge people? I mean, why, why, sh- why should we not judge people? Why does God tell us here, why is this in the Bible? I mean, it's, it's so normal, it's so common, it has a sixth sense of enjoyment, at least temporarily. Let me give you a few reasons. Here's number one, the king of the universe said not to do it. That's a great reason, isn't it? If Jesus says don't do it, that ought to settle it. Verse 37, do not judge others. And you will not be judged. Don't condemn others or it's going to come back to you. And this is repeated in Matthew. It's repeated in Romans. It's repeated in the Bible. Folks, in, in, the, in the, the biblical language, this is stated emphatically. It's like if Jesus had a wooden platform or, or, or stand, it was like he, he hit the, 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 the platform and he pointed and he said, don't do this. This is wrong. How many of you... Can settle that a little bit in your heart if saying, if Jesus said I shouldn't do it, that's a pretty good reason not to do it, isn't it? It's a real good reason. But Jesus goes on and he gives us other reasons not to do it. Here's the second thing that I really want you to think about. What you give out, what I give out will return to us in abundance. How we treat other people boomerangs back to us. Verse 37, do not judge others and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, send it away, dismiss them, don't punish them, and you will be forgiven. If you're harsh and you're critical, you're condemning, you're judgmental, you're unforgiving, Jesus said it's going to come back on you. Look in verse 38, a strange phrase, give and you will receive. I've heard some preachers preach this next verse with talk about money. Maybe you could, but that's not its, its context. The context is about judging other people. And, and he says, give and, and you will receive. He's talking about judging people. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together. To make room for more, running over and poured in your lap. The amount you give will be determined, determine the amount that you get back. Now, a couple of things that are interesting. In the Greek world, if you went to the market to buy grain, the scale that the grain was weighed out and given to you on is supposed to be the exact scale that the that the, the store owner got used when he bought the grain from the farmer. So there's no cheating. It's a, if, if it weighed 10 pounds when he got it, it should weigh 10 pounds when you get it. Follow that? Jesus is saying how you measure it out is how it's going to be measured back to you. That's how it's supposed to. And, and he talks about being poured into your lap. What is he talking about there? Well, a few weeks ago, we talked about a, like a Jewish man would wear two garments. He would wear an inner garment and an outer garment, sometimes called a tunic or a cloak. The cloak was, could be an overcoat. It could be used as a blanket at night. It was a heavier, bigger garment. A lot of times if a man was going to market, Or a woman either. And especially if it was close to their their, their home. They might not even take a bucket. if They were going to get some grain. And so when they got ready to get the grain. They would take that tunic. And they would make a pouch here in the front. And the person would pour the grain into the pouch. And Jesus said this is really cool. Jesus says you know what it's like. When that friend of yours is the one passing out the grain. He pours it in. And you shake it to make room for more. It's kind of like when you go to a Chinese buffet. You shake that box and you pack it down and now they weigh it. You can't get away with that anymore. But you take that, you shake it, so it spreads it out. Then they put it in, they pack it down to get as much in there as they can. And then it says that it's even overflowing. I mean, that's like somebody is giving you grain and they are making sure you get a full amount and that it's so much it's just coming out of your coat. But Jesus is saying, wait a second, We're not talking about agriculture here. We're talking about how we judge or don't judge other people. And Jesus said, listen, here's the thing to think about. When you decide to play God Jr., when you decide to be the judge, how you treat people, it's going to come back to you. Galatians 6, 7 says... Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What we sow, we reap. Here's the law of the harvest. What you plant, you get. You plant tomatoes. You're not very intelligent if you're looking for cucumbers later on. Correct? You're going to get tomatoes tomatoes that's like the person who they find marijuana in his backyard I didn't plant that I didn't somebody planted it amen I mean it doesn't just shazam it it, it's the law of the harvest what you put in is what comes back and the, the second law of the harvest is you always get more than you plant what you what you plant it comes back more and Jesus is saying how we treat other people talking about judging people, it's going to come back to us even more. This passage is written in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3. Four or five times a week, I try to read this and I try to think about this because what Jesus is saying here is so serious. First of all, let's look at in our relationship to other people. Here's what Jesus is saying. You want to be critical? You, you, you feel like you're smarter or more morally superior? And you want to be judgmental and harsh on people? You want, to, you want to find all their faults? And you want to judge them because of their past or or even because of their present? And you want to look into their heart, which you really can't see into? Here's what Jesus says. You go ahead and do that. But it's coming back at you in abundance. That's scary, isn't it? That really is scary. How many of you are old enough to remember the names uh, Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger? Any of y'all remember those guys? For you youngsters, Jim Baker uh, ran a ministry called PTL. And in the 70s and 80s, it was gigantic. And like in 1987, he split his britches, literally. I mean, he, he got caught in financial scandal. He had an affair. Uh, I think he's really turned his life around in, in recent years. But it was terrible. And, and Jimmy Swaggart, pastor, I think, still in Baton Rouge, he really, really came down hard on him. And I was just a young preacher. And I remember thinking to myself, he shouldn't be doing that. I mean, did what Baker do was wrong? Absolutely. But to get on TV and just talk about how bad he was, bad he was, terrible he was, terrible. Man, it wasn't a month or two later, it all came out. Jimmy Swaggart had been doing the same thing. You know how much grace people gave him. Can you see that? (laughs) Because listen, if you, you, okay, you want to be judgmental and harsh on people. That's cool. God's going to give you the opportunity to do it. But understand, listen, you know this is true. People who live that way, that is what they get back from other people. Now, here's the wonderful thing. If you're you're merciful, you're kind, you have standards, but you're not judgmental, that's how how the majority of people will treat you back. Here's even a scarier thing. This is how God's going to treat us. God says in these verses here, this is very clear. Give and you will receive. The amount you, you give will determine the amount you get back. You judge others, they're going to judge you. You're going to be judged. You condemn, you'll be condemned. You don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. That scares me to think that one of the ways God measures my life is how judgmental or how loving I am. How kind I am or how critical I am. And I don't know about you, but right now, I don't want to face God this afternoon here on this earth, much less someday in heaven, and have to answer to God that I made a decision that I was going to be Holy Spirit Jr. here on this earth. Because God's basically saying, I'm going to swing back at you what you swing at others. I just have a bigger swing, and I swing it a lot harder. That's pretty scary, isn't it? But here's the cool side of this, the grace side of this. God says this. Not that you sacrifice standards. You don't say wrong is right. But when you treat others with mercy and grace, God says, that is how I'm going to treat you. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? Right in the book, I'm plagiarizing it. Here's the third reason we don't judge people. We are not qualified to do it. Would you repeat this out loud with me? I am not qualified to to judge people. Some of you said that. Some of you didn't because maybe you think you are. Some of you didn't. Uh, you said it, but maybe you disagree with me. Can I tell you something? You are not qualified. I've heard preachers say, well, I have the gift of discernment, you know, and I've been in seminary and I can know. You don't know someone else's heart. 1 Corinthians 2.11, listen to what it says. No one can know a person's thoughts, uh, that person's heart, except that person. In their own spirit. No one can know the thoughts of God except God's spirit. Now, listen, you you know somebody well. You're around them all the time. Certainly, you can get a a feel for their heartbeat. We're not around a lot of people like that. And what God's saying, no matter how discerning you are, no matter how wise you think you are, no no matter how much you know the Bible, you can't know another person's heart. James 4.12, listen to what James 4.12 says. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. Listen to this last part. What right do you have to judge your neighbor? Is that not profound? Let me tell you a story that illustrates this so profoundly. Years ago in Dallas, Texas, there was a young lawyer, single man who worked for a big law firm. He worked for him for three or four years. And every year at Thanksgiving, the, on Wednesday, before Thanksgiving, the, the senior partner would bring in all the people. He'd gather them around, make a big production, give them a gigantic turkey, and they'd go home for the weekend. This man's family lived a long way off. He wasn't going to see them for four weeks until Christmas. So he'd take that big turkey home, and he would eat a leg or two, and then he'd have to throw it away. And So he told all of his friends, all right, what am I going to do with that turkey? I appreciate what my boss is doing, but I don't need it. I don't really want it, yada, yada, yada. So they decided to play a trick on him. They got a paper mache turkey. They weighted it down with lead that it weighed and felt like that turkey. They covered it in the same uh, wrappings that the turkey the lawyer was giving to him, and it was on his spot. He gets it that day, and he goes home. He gets on the bus going home, and he's got this, what he thinks is real turkey. It's a paper mache turkey. He's sitting on the bus thinking, what am I going to do this year with this gigantic turkey? The bus stops, and a man gets on and comes and sits right beside him. He can tell the man, not being judgmental, but he can tell the man is very poor and he looks very depressed. So they begin to talk. And the guy said, I've been looking for work all day. I hadn't had a job in weeks. I've got kids at home. We have no food. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I don't have anything to feed him. I have no idea what I'm going to do. The guy thinks, I'll give him my Turkey. But then he says, you know, this guy's not a bum. It might even insult him. So he, so he asked him, how much money do you have on you? And the guy said, well, now this is, again, this years ago. I've got about 50 cents, and that's all the money I have. That's it. I mean, I can't even go home and get you any more money. The guy goes, I'll, I'll sell you this turkey for 50 cents. The guy was ecstatic. He sold him the turkey. They hugged. The young lawyer went home knowing he had done such a great thing. The man went home. He had bought a turkey for his family. Can you imagine what happened when they opened that and it was a paper mache turkey? And he'd spent his last pennies on that. The the young lawyer got to work on Monday. He was so excited to tell his his friends what he had done, and they were so excited to tell him what they had done to him. They were horrified. They spent the next few weeks getting on the buses every afternoon looking for that guy, but they never found him. Listen, it, it would have been a miracle of God if that man didn't judge that lawyer, but his judgment would have been incorrect. Oswald Chambers was a great Christian writer. Preacher, here's one thing he said that is so profound. When you look at somebody and you want to make a judgment, you want to criticize them, you want to put them in your category or label them, there's always one fact. There's always something that you and I don't know. There's always something that we don't know about the situation. You call wrong wrong, absolutely. You make wise decisions. But we don't sit it as God Jr. over other people because we are not qualified. And here's the last thought this morning. We are called to continually keep our own lives in order. You see, judging people stems from the fact it's easier for me to tell you to lose weight than for me to exercise. Amen? Amen for you calorically challenged people, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's easier to say, yeah, yeah, you know, a few exercises and You didn't eat much, you would lose weight. Well, yeah, I can tell you that. I don't enjoy doing that myself. But God says, what I want you to focus on is getting your own act in order. Verse 41 Verse 41 says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? This is tied in. That's just part of the judgment passage. This is Jesus was a carpenter. And, and to the, the, them, this would have been really funny and a humorous thing. Jesus was saying, you are worried about a piece of sawdust in someone else's eye. And you've got a beam sticking out of your own. Do you see the the contradiction there? And look what else Jesus says in verse 42. How can you think same saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. Jesus kind of ugly there, wasn't he? First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The word hypocrite has an interesting background. In Jesus' day, a hypocrite in the Greek world was an actor. I mean, an actor. The actors were men, and they wore masks. So if a man's going to play a woman's part, he wore a mask. If he's a young man, he's going to play an old man's part. He wore an old man's mask. So it wasn't a bad word at first. But then the word evolved to really mean someone who wears a mask, someone who is playing a part that they're really not. It's someone who's a fake. They're pretending to be someone they're not. And Jesus was saying to them, and he's saying to us, and this is difficult. Jesus was saying, we've got so much stuff in our life, listen to me, that we struggle with, and yet we can be hyper-critical of other people. We've got stuff in our families that are upside down in a mess. But we'll look at somebody else's family and we can see all the faults. And in fact, maybe you're really good. You're just super judgmental. And God says, wow, you're missing the point completely. And Jesus isn't saying, okay, get yourself together and then you can judge people. Jesus is saying before you can really help people, period, period. Focus on yourself. Get your own self together. And this never stops. Yeah, there may be times when you can help people with a splinter in their own eye, but your life needs to be about keeping the log out of your own eye. There was a monk in the 10th century. His name was Moses. That's a great name for a monk, isn't it? Moses. And I always like quotes from monks because if you have 24 hours to sit around especially in the 10th century, and just look at a castle and hum, good things would have to come to your mind occasionally, wouldn't you? And Moses the monk said, if we will stay conscious of our own sins and struggles, we will never have time to focus on the sins of other people. Isn't that good? If we'll focus on our own sins and struggles, we will not have time to be judgmental and condemning of others. Get your own act together and keep it together. Years ago in Everman, Texas, Everman is outside of Fort Worth, a youth minister had a a great idea. Braden, youth ministers have a great idea about once a decade, don't they? Uh, but this was a great idea. He, he got his youth together on a Friday night. And this was before cell phones, so they had to have Polaroid Instamatic cameras. How many of you remember those? Those were the coolest things because normally you'd take a picture and you wouldn't see it for six weeks, right? So now you, now you could get it immediately. And he, he, he gave them about 15 cameras, and he told the young people, go out, take pictures of your friends around town that don't go to church anywhere. We're going to put them up on the wall. We're going to pray for them that they'll come to Jesus, and maybe they'll come to our church. They came back a few hours later, and one of them brought in a picture of a young man named Danny. Danny had hair down to about here. By looking at the picture, it was pretty obvious that Danny was high. And the youth minister said this. He kind of laughed, and he said, that kid will never be saved. (laughs) That kid will never come to know Jesus. You want to hear the most unbelievable story? One month later... Danny got saved in that church. Within two months, Danny got baptized in that church. Danny became one of the best singers in that church and and became a strong, strong Christian. And to that youth minister's wonderful credit, he apologized profusely for his horrible misjudgment of people. Folks, listen. Wrong is wrong, never back away from that, but love people, pray for them, point them to Jesus, invite them to church, but do not sit in judgment of others. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I I would challenge you right now to examine your heart. Where's your heart? Where are you in this issues? And what are you gonna do about it? If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready to give your life to Christ, would you pray with me today? Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. If you're here this morning, and maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your life, or you're ready to do that, it's the greatest thing you can do. Here's what I want to challenge you. Leave your seat, balcony, floor. Come and talk to one of these ministers. Cross that line with Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you would like to join our church. You can do it after church or you can come this morning and you can join us. We would love for you to. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We're going to be a church that's going to try to love people. We're going to stand for right and wrong. But our job is not to judge you. It's to love you and help you find Christ. If that's what you're looking for, you come. Christian, maybe you're doing well in this area. That's great. You keep it up. Maybe you're not. Maybe it needs to be where you're standing or at the altar, that there needs to be some repentance in your life.